The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Howdy Aggieland and welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today we have a very special show planned for you. Our first guest will be Charles Wallace, who is an oil and acrylic painter with a focus on impressionism and abstract. He is here representing the Professional Artists of Central Texas, or PACT for short, and they will be having a group show starting August 4th at the Gallery in Bryan. He is also an artist that is recognized by the Texas House of Representatives in the 87th session for his life contribution to Texas art. So we have a great conversation about how he transforms an idea into the abstract and what we can expect from this group show at the Gallery. After that interview, we will be revisiting my interview with Dr. Carol Fox Henricks, who is a photographer with a focus on nature. And this was an interview from last February of 2022. And we hear all about um, the different animals that she photographs, as well as what camera she uses and what lens are her favorites. All right, now for the announcements, I have my email, theheartofart.tamu.edu, that you can contact in case you have an artist or an event that you would like to promote here on the show. That is theheartofart.tamu.edu. All right, let's start my interview with Charles Wallace. If you want to check out his work while we're having this discussion, you can go to his website at charleswallis.com. That's W-A-L-L-I-S, charleswallis.com. So, hi, Charles. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Of course. I'm so excited for a conversation today. Uh, I have looked at many of your works, and I would love to have the opportunity to speak about them today. Great. All right. Well, looking at your works, I have seen that a lot of your work is from Waco. Are you from Waco originally? Yes, I was. I was born in Grand Prairie, but moved to Waco when I was like five or six with my parents, of course, and uh, attended Baylor University. Right. I noticed that. <laughs> you got a fine arts degree from there, right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. And what was what made you dedicate your life to art? How did you know that you wanted to get that degree? You know, I grew up as the son of a Baptist preacher in a very strict environment with not a lot of recognition. It's always about what you need to be doing, not what you did. Right. <laughs> so when I was in junior high, I, I liked to draw. So I was doing some drawing, and uh, one of the ladies from the church saw one of my drawings, and uh, she went out and bought some art supplies and gave them to me. <laughs> so... It was that recognition that started me down that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need that person to, to guide you down the right path. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, were there any other impactful people early on in your art career? Uh, no, not really. I, I did some online stuff way back then, similar to online, but you saw these famous artist schools. I, when I was a junior in high school, I signed up and did a bunch of that, that work before I got into the art program at Baylor. So, 
it's pretty much um, what I've always wanted to do mm -hmm. <laughs> since I was with, had that opportunity in, in junior high that lady gave me those heart supplies. Wow, that's awesome. And it, have you always been into Impressionism, or what, what kind of art did you start with? I guess I'm classically trained. Is I uh, started with drawing and started doing some painting and then design, and which was through the Baylor program, life drawing, figure drawing, and originally did very realistic things, mostly Western art and animals, and then uh, then went to Impressionism and abstraction uh, and non-objective type things. I get tired of doing one for a while and jump to another style. Right. Realistic work can be real tedious, so when you've been doing that for a while, you need to loosen up <laughs> and do something that's a little freer. I see. Okay, <laughs> we'll definitely get into that range of different styles that you partake in. Um, but I noticed that after college, you decided to open your own studio, right? Right. While teaching art. Why did you decide to open the studio? What was the goal of it? Well, it was primarily to uh, make make money it was a design studio producing advertising things oh. uh, and uh, in those days there were no computers so if you wanted to do a brochure for somebody you had to draw it out draw in the type draw in the photographs all the colors and paint them on a piece of paper and show it to them about what it would look like so okay. it was really good training for fine arts because you had to do it fast because there were deadlines and so I did that for about 10 years Oh, wow, that's great. I know that you dabble in many art styles, but uh, what is your favorite and why is it Impressionism? <laughs> or is it Impressionism? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, <clears throat> I like to do abstract because it's very challenging, but it's probably the least audience appreciation. So I tend to be somewhat driven towards what I think I can sell. Right. Mm -hmm. Very important. <laughs> And landscapes are the most popular thing for people to buy. But I also like to do some interpretive things. I did a whole series on uh, empathetic people and empathy, uh, like 30 or 40 um, things about that. So I like to do take a subject and play with it. So right now I'm doing one on emotions, primary emotions, which there's six and some say eight, so I'm doing large paintings, 48 by 48, in all different styles about each of the emotions. And I just finished one on anger and wow. getting ready to do one on uh, disgust, Ooh, <laughs> which is a universal emotion, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't even need to speak English for that. Anyone can understand it. <laughs> how do you decide how impressionist to make a piece? Because I see that there's a lot of range even with how impressionistic and, and, and realistic uh, uh -huh. your pieces are. So, yeah, how do you decide that? Yeah, there's like a, a if 10 is a fully realistic painting, you can start backing up to 9, 8, 7, 6, 4, 5 and create the impression. So there's a whole range. And I guess it's when I reach a place where I think it looks okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> looks good, and then I try to do some finish out, touch up to bring it all together a little bit. So there's not a, sometimes there's a specific level of impression that you're searching for, but sometimes there's not. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the French Impressionists, some of um, Monet's work, uh, buildings in fog and stuff that you can barely make them out, but they're really beautiful and 
So, you know, it's just a matter of what makes a complete uh, idea in in painting. Mm -hmm. I mean, something that really stood out to me were how you depicted clouds and how within each piece they change drastically. I mean, (laughs) for example, in What a Great Day to Be Outside, it's very bubbly and color blocked. Yeah. And then there's some where the clouds are much more realistic and the colors are kind of melting into each other. And are these because you want to just explore different styles? Well, that one, What a Beautiful Day to Be Outside, was really a lot of fun to do because it's, it's, it looks, it's trying to capture the billowing nature of clouds mm. and shadows from clouds on the ground as well. And, uh, but it's very structured in that presentation and some are sometimes the clouds are very hazy and i know some i make the clouds yellow some are lavender sometimes they're blue so so it's i learned from an artist that i admire a lot uh, who's a watercolor artist he said the color doesn't matter as long as you get the light and dark correct Hmm. people will say oh that's such beautiful color but they're saying it because you have the values of light and dark correct if that weren't correct, they wouldn't think that about it. Mm-hmm. So okay. he says the color doesn't matter if you get the light and dark right. Mm-hmm. So, Ooh, that's an interesting idea to practice. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, you guys, we will be going on a quick break, but do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Howdy, Aguiland. Now we will be continuing my conversation with Charles Wallace, the oil and acrylic painter with a focus on impressionism and abstract. What is your creative process like? How does, does does it start with an idea and then you start manifesting it? Well, this emotion series, um, I think um, if you want to have a show, a solo show of um, your own, then it it's good to have a cohesive unit of pieces that all relate to each other. So I don't know experiencing a certain amount of emotions and then thinking about them and and then as, some people associate emotions with colors and so that's part of this whole exercise so sometimes I just do a single piece because I like the color or the subject but then you have a feeling about it something that people might appreciate and get some meaning out of like something about emotions and you know, combination emotions. What is the emotion if you feel sadness and joy at the same time? What is the result of that? And things of that nature. So there's a bit of an intellectual exercise in some of it. Hopefully you can capture that visually and people can get it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can definitely feel a lots of emotions coming from your pieces. Um, and I mean, I was actually interested in that. How do you, in your abstract art, translate an idea or a thought into visual art? And I know you mentioned the colors tie in with certain emotions. Um, what about like what it what it is made up of? Right. Many times with an abstract piece, um, you it doesn't start with the emotion. It starts with creating something interesting that's interesting to you. Hardest part about abstract is getting started. But once you get started, uh, it sort of brings itself together with certain rules of composition and color balance and light and dark and these things. 
But what I do is maybe different than other people do is I have made a list on my computer of phrases from country music, from pop music, from poems, and I just go down that phrase, and if one strikes me related to that painting, I'll use it for the title. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's a pretty strategic way to find a title. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's based on what that those colors and shapes strike in me. That may not mean they'll strike someone else the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's that's just the way I do it. Uh, I noticed, or I found myself gravitating a lot towards a certain um, segment within your website, and it was titled Highly Sensitive People. Uh, I was wondering, why did you name this category this way? Well, I did a show on um, the nature of highly sensitive people. There's about 20% of the population whose central nervous system has picks up different signals than the rest of the population. In other words, they interpret color different, they hear more sounds, they see more shapes. Their central nervous system is just better or more sensitive than others. Like some people have better eyesight and some people have better hearing. Right. So it's that, that kind of thing. And that's, they pick up more clues from their environment than other people do. So. And then there's this Myers-Briggs uh, personality scale of like 16 different personalities. And there's one that's called INFJ, which is uh, people who, who, who may be in a group, but they feel the emotions of the people around them still their own. They get confused with those. Mm -hmm. They're highly sensitive in that way. And if you have the person with a highly sensitive nervous system, plus being an INFJ, tend to be loners, tend to be reclusive, have to get away from people, have to gear up to be in a crowd. Being in a crowd doesn't excite them. It drags them down. Yeah. <laughs> and those people are usually artists, musicians, actors, research scientists, some corporate kind of lawyers um, in that group. So I was exploring that whole thing when I discovered that I was one of those kind of people that I didn't didn't react like most people did. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very cathartic for me, and I had a a lot of emotional response from a lot of people to that series of, of paintings. Oh yeah, so it is a like a collective series. You would yes. say that whole okay. Uh, yeah, I've some of them I've recreated three or four times because I've sold them, and I still have some of the pieces, but. Um, it's n I don't have enough left to make a show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, something that stood out to me um, was alone in the crowd, trying to uh -huh. fit in with the sheep and be feeling like you're in a costume when you are, you know, performing <laughs> in front of others in a way. Right. Um, I, another one was escaping the dark side. Right. Um, and that appears to be you. Am, am I correct in that? Yeah, in that, is, that is me. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, can you go into what that piece means for you? Yeah, it's kind of like a emerging from a depression or a dark period in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess I'm 79, so I've had I've had some dark periods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what it's like to come out of those and get excited about a new direction. Right. But um, 
I took a selfie of myself like this on top of my head, looking down oh, <laughs> without okay. my shirt on uh, as research for nice. for that painting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing that I loved was the uh, the lotus flower bud. Yeah, was that? I mean, I, I can imagine because it symbolizes it growing out it from growing the mud. Out. Yes, right. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> so, when did you join the Professional Artists of Central Texas? Oh, I guess it was like three or four years ago I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I s- saw that they had a sh- show and inquired about joining, so I did. It's it's a very good group. Oh, yeah. Some very talented <laughs> artists in there, right. yeah. And how have they impacted uh, your work? Um, we have pulled our uh, strategies and things to get more exposure as a group, so okay. the collective nature of it and it impacts me from the point of view of being around like-minded people right. at, that are interested in the same things. So that's that's a really valuable thing for anyone. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and this show that's going to be showing at the gallery August 4th, uh, what are you planning on showing there? Oh, I've got... Um, I'm planning on showing three of my pieces that I'm doing for this emotion series. Mm. Uh, that are these are 48 by 48 so they're large plus another that I've done a while ago that I've never shown uh, which is Dancing to the Light Fandango which is a tr- kind of a tribute to Mark Chagall and, and some of his imagery is in the painting so mm, awesome. uh, it's a, you know it's like 18 by 24 so wow. it's kind of fun a fun thing Mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Some yeah. never-before-seen pieces, so that's right. pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Charles, is there anything about art or your art that you want to share with the audience that maybe we haven't gotten to yet? Yeah, there is. Um, sometimes I have a, a pet peeve about art for people that don't really understand how an artist becomes professional and what they're doing. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, had a lady rush up to me one day at a show and say, you're so blessed that God has given you all this talent. You must give him a lot of praise for what he's been able to do for you. And I smiled and said, well, I was certainly born with good hand and eye coordination, but he didn't pay for five years of college while I worked three jobs. Right. (laughs) And the thousands of hours Mm -hmm. of practice and work that it took to develop the skill that I can exhibit at, at this juncture. Right. And I still learn every day something. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's relearning, but a lot of people don't appreciate what it takes to become an artist. And I, I think anybody could do it if they had the interest and wanted to spend the time mm-hmm. to do it and take what modicum of interest they have. And if you spend 100 hours, you can see improvement. If you spend 1,000 hours, you can see much improvement. If you spend 10,000 hours, you'll be very good at what you started with. Right. So mm-hmm. it's it's available to anybody if you have the inclination, mm-hmm. I think. I don't think anyone starts off being perfect. So <laughs> you definitely are putting the blood, sweat, and tears. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, Charles Wallace, thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us about your art and your involvement with the professional artists of Central Texas. Um, I've learned so much, and I can't wait to see this upcoming show that's going to be shown at the gallery. It's going to be a fun show, and it has a wide variety of styles, and all of the artists are very accomplished at what they do. And uh, there's 
there's pottery and other things, various styles, drawing, painting, and there's some collage work that's very interesting. Right. Uh, so if, it's, if anyone is an enthusiast about art or looking for some art, the, the values are good and the art is entertaining and it's always a good time to share a glass of wine and a few nibbles and talk oh, yeah. about art. <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun. All righty, well, thanks again. You bet. Thank you, Hector. All right, now we will be listening to my conversation with Carol Fox Hendricks, the nature photographer. Hello, Dr. Carol. How are you today? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, to start off, I'd like to uh, go into a little bit of your background. Uh, I saw through your website that you're a Galveston native. I am. I am. I was born on the island, which is a, a th big thing if you're from Galveston. Yeah. Um, I was wondering uh, how that affected your art itself. So I, that's where I really fell in love with nature. I spent a lot of time outside, I think probably as kids of my generation did. We got kicked out of the house you know, pretty regularly to go outside and play. But I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, both, my, both sets of grandparents actually lived on the island and one set of great-grandparents, and so I had fields and um, bays to wander around in. So I really fell in love with nature, I think, at that point. And that's really what drives drives me, is my love of nature. Mm -hmm. Would you say that this love of nature was also part of the culture there in Galveston? I wasn't aware of it as a child, mm. okay? But I am very much aware of it now, and I go back and visit quite frequently. And um, there's a there's a annual Featherfest conference that I go to every year. And so uh, as a child, I wasn't aware of that, but it is a big deal now. So yeah, you kind of like didn't know, but because it's such a big part of Galveston, kind of everybody is into the nature there. All right. You know, you started off in Galveston. Did you start a photography in Galveston as well? I did not. No. I did not. I didn't oh. get into photography until, I don't know, around 2006. 2006. And it was kind of an accident. It was. Um, I was working in technology. My background is in instructional technology. And mm -hmm. so I was working and, you know, looking how it's for some continuing education. And so my supervisor suggested, why don't you do something for fun and take a photography class? Well, because of my background was in technology, I picked the digital photography class. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of spurred an interest in that. And I really do enjoy the challenges involved in all that yeah do you mind going into your education what that was exactly um so i have a, a couple of different degrees right mm -hmm. uh, from the university of phoenix and university of houston and um in instructional technology and then in educational leadership okay and i'm, I'm guessing the technology aspect is what you kind of gravitate towards it is it is i um whenever i started because with digital photography you have to use a computer right yeah. if you're going to do anything with your your photos and so when i started figuring out oh i can do this and i can do that and it just felt like a light bulb went on and mm. i said this is this is what i want to be doing i know in photography it has to do a lot with the technology that you're using the, your tool the camera um do you have any suggestions on what uh, type of mode or settings you you use you prefer or any type of lenses that you sure. recommend sure so for years I shot with Canon equipment and not that I really feel that one brand is any better than the other but 
that's just what I started with, and so that's what I was most familiar with. All right. Um, as far as the Canon, when I was shooting with that, I think the lens, the 24 to 105 lens that I had was my most favorite. Hmm. But as I've gotten older, that equipment gets heavy. Pretty, oh. uh, the professional lenses and the longer lenses that you need, like to shoot birds in flight, that gets rather heavy. So I've switched over to mirrorless, and I went to the Olympus brand, and um, you know I'm enjoying that a lot. Awesome. Um, I mean, through your art, I can see that you visited a lot of places. <laughs> Do you have any, you know, favorite locations or locations that you gravitate to? So Texas is really where a lot of my work is from. Beautiful Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we have traveled a lot uh, to a lot of the Caribbean islands and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But one of my very, very favorite places, and if you look at the things on my website, you'll see, is Caprock Canyon State Park. Mm -hmm. That I did not realize that a place like that existed in Texas. Um, you know, growing up along the Gulf Coast, I, we didn't really travel that to that part of Texas, but to see the canyons and the, the red dirt and the bison just roaming freely through the park was, was r a really awesome experience. Uh, I'll make sure to visit it because I'm from South Texas, so I haven't traveled a lot in Texas, but looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> in these locations, you know, they're so out in nature and in the desolate areas. Have you had any dangerous things happen to you or any dangerous encounters? Um, not really. Um, mm. I haven't... I, I don't really take pictures of snakes or, you know, strange things. Probably just the scariest thing is with the bison that we, we encountered out there. There was a, because they give you all the warnings, you know, stay so many feet away and don't approach them. And when we've gone, there are calves with the groups and the mothers are very, very protective. And so we were taking a hike one day and we could hear them because they're very loud. They grunt and snort and, and I could hear them, but we couldn't see them. And so we topped this hill, and there they were. And we had no place for cover or anything. And so uh -oh. we turned around and just walked quickly away. Like, never mind. Uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Okay, interesting. Is there, like, a, an overall message that you would like to portray through your pictures? I know, you know, when I look at them, they're very close up, very intimate. Like, we're not even supposed to be watching. Um, or is it more of, like, preservation? What would you say is the main mes message? So that's a good question. Um because I think I, I do approach it. There's a two-pronged approach, hmm. first of all, because I am a Texas master naturalist. And so one of the things that I try to do is take photographs of what I have seen and, you know, upload them to iNaturalist so that they're documented, that the species existed at a certain location. Those pictures are, are informative and more documentary. Um, the other side of it is to maybe help you see something you wouldn't normally see. Like the picture that I have of the cormorant, I have always said these are the ugliest birds. They're black, they're all over the place, they're a nuisance, but they have a turquoise eye, which the normal person, you can't see unless you have this photograph and you zoom in on it and it's turquoise and it's beautiful. And so I think if I can help someone learn to appreciate the nature around them they'll become better stewards of mm. what's around them okay awesome um going through your instagram i noticed that you don't like to gatekeep i mean you uh, are teaching people about your craft um and you have workshops right i do and um some of them are free mm -hmm. free webinars the, one of the things that i have been very appreciative of as a photographer the community of photographers as a whole 
are very friendly, very willing to help other people. So this is more about sharing, sharing the love and helping other people build their craft. Yeah. And I encourage people to go and look at your Instagram because there's, I mean, the latest one was texturizing your photo. I hadn't even <laughs> thought of that. I mean, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where, so I go through phases, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like right now, that's my most favorite thing to do. That's where you're at. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> All right, you guys, that is the end of our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And a big thank you to Charles Wallace for stopping by this week. Don't forget to check out the Professional Artists of Central Texas' group show at the Gallery starting August 4th, where you can see both Charles Wallace's work as well as Dr. Carol Fox Henrix's work. Have a great week, and make sure to tune in next week. I'm Hector Nino, and you've been listening to The Heart of Art, a production of 90.9 KAMU-FM. You can find all of our shows anytime at kamu.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu.